Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozie. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast, where we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. We would love to hear from you. Uh, write to us at Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com with your thoughts, questions, uh, ideas about things for us to, to share and discuss. We would love to hear from you. And the we that I'm talking about is Jeff Cross mm. uh, sitting across the table from me right now. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good, 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 good. You know, we're in the middle of January, you know. Um, I actually was telling someone that I'm actually halfway done with my basketball season. Yeah. So um, I feel like we just started talking about basketball season, mm. and now I'm halfway done. And, you know, we're... We just got an email, some baseball video we got to watch, right, you know, right. so it's it's here, you know, it's it's going to start changing here shortly. Um, someone was in the locker room asking me about baseball. When does your baseball season start? And of course, you know, I'm not until April 1st kind of guy, um, but uh, it's I'm looking forward to you know getting out there and calling a few balls and strikes too. So I'm That's looking awesome. forward to change the season. Yeah. And my name's Chad Ozy. Uh, together, Jeff and I both work uh, college basketball and college baseball. I've uh, worked lots of high school sports in the past. Jeff's been an athletic director. So we've seen the, the sports world from just about every side, uh, even as players mm-hmm. uh, yeah. back in the day. And uh, But yet we're talking about things that uh, whether or not uh, you are an official, whether or not you're a sports nut, hopefully the things that we talk about can be beneficial for you as you have your drive wherever you're going next. Listen to this podcast. But we're going to start off with something very sports related today, Jeff. Um, We got the opportunity to work together. Mm -hmm. For those of you listening that don't understand, that is not something uh, that I get the opportunity to do very often. We do have one league uh, that we are both uh, on the same staff of, Mm -hmm. Uh, but in that league, Jeff works a very small amount of games, and so the opportunity for us to to cross paths on uh, on that league is is small, and we did not have a game together in that league this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knows what could still happen between now and the end of the year? We never know what uh, what might take place there, but but nothing on the schedule at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was a, uh, a really fun tournament that I've had the opportunity to work for the last several years. Uh, back in the day, Jeff worked it mm-hmm. uh, multiple times as he was kind of working his way up. Uh, it's a junior college holiday tournament. Uh, in this tournament this year, there were eight teams. Six of the eight teams uh, were uh, in the top 25 uh, in the nation. Uh, and it was a it was an exciting tournament to work. There were all sorts of funny things that happened, including everybody knows about the Southwest debacle that went on. And so one of the oh. teams wasn't even able to get in for the tournament. <laughs> they were not one of the top 25 teams, but still would have been fun to see them. They were coming in from Florida. Uh, but uh, we had teams from across the Midwest, the East Coast. Uh, everything happened there. And uh, it was a, it was a neat experience to get to work together. And uh, so we thought maybe we would just talk a little bit about that to kind of kick things off. And so, Jeff, uh, you know, coming back to that tournament for the first time in a while and all that, what was what was the experience like for you? Yeah, the old stomping ground, right? I cut my teeth, you know. So, and Chad's right. I spent many, you know, many weekends, Christmas weekends or however you want to look at that, in that gym and working two games a day and, and working all the way to the third day and, 
yeah, it was uh, it was definitely very nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. I got to see some old uh, friends and some old acquaintances that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, so it was cool. It was cool to be part of that. It was cool to be able to uh, see some referees that I don't necessarily get a chance to, I know, mm-hmm. but don't get a chance to either watch them work or get a chance to work with them. So that was nice to be able to catch up. Um, you know, it's it's funny. As soon as I see, you know, old uh, old friends in the officiating community, I always, typically, I almost always uh, try to think of something funny that happened with us together or maybe a war that we went through together. And, yeah. Um, it was funny. That's like the first thing I saw when I saw Kenny Williams there mm-hmm. um, out of Champaign. And, and you know, uh, him and I had a junior college game together. And he was just kind of breaking into Division Two, And um, he might even be just working Division Three in, in JUCO. And he had had a play where I'm going to share this, Kenny. I don't know if Kenny listens or not, but – I share this story with in a locker room, and it's pretty darn funny. And he, uh, he, he had had a we had a potential block charge play in the middle of the lane, and um, ultimately Kenny thinks he probably needs to put a whistle on this play, but he doesn't put any air in the whistle. Mm-hmm. But he goes through the mechanics of putting his fist in the air. Okay, and but he doesn't blow the whistle. And then the ball gets turned over, and now we're going the other way. And Kenny's running up the floor with his fist in the air. <laughs> and I'm watching him just run with his fist in the air. I'm like, I took my whistle. I'm like, Kenny, put your fist down, bro. You know, <laughs> it's, it's over, man. You can't go, can't go back now. So it's just so great to be able to share those stories and be able to laugh together. Absolutely, because um, we've all done stuff like that. Yeah, and we don't have an opportunity – you know, I think we missed those opportunities, I guess, is what I want to say, because we're so focused on being perfect every night and the pressure of what we do and, and you know, uh, making sure all the calls are correct and in the travel that we forget about sharing those those funny times together. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, a, it was a good time to be able to be part of those locker rooms. And, you know, I got a few texts from people after we actually end up uh, going out for dinner afterwards yeah. on that night. So it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was neat. You know, and you bring that up, you know, you got – Kenny that, that you brought, you know, you worked with him when he was at the D3 Juco level. Now Kenny works Division One, mm-hmm. um, and uh, great, great official and great communicator, all those kinds of things, and, and fun to get to, to work together. Um, one of the things that that was really interesting to me doing this, uh, Jeff Jeff came in and, and, and worked the championship game, uh, and so got to, to work that with, with Jeff and uh, Doran Stewart, that a lot of you uh, know, who works multiple Division One conferences, was working that championship game as well, and um, it was it was a high intensity game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at the time that the game happened, it was number one in the nation versus number three in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, number three in the nation ended up winning that game. In the very next poll that came out just a couple days later, three and one had swapped. Mm. So three went to one, one went to three. Um, And, you know, a lot of times people who work uh, lower levels uh, of basketball, and when I say lower levels, I just mean, you know, in the, in the hierarchy, right? You know, so most, most time we think, you know, NCAA division one, 
um, is at the top if we're just talking college basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, then you got D2, then you got D3, then you've got NAIA, and then you've got JUCO. Mm-hmm. And so when we, we think of it that way in, in terms of hierarchy, you know, most of the time we consider lower levels, you know, specifically D3, NAIA, JUCO. Mm-hmm. You know, D2 is kind of that middle middle ground where you're you're ready to make that leap to Division One. And uh, a lot of times we, we think of that as just being lesser basketball. Yeah. And by we, I don't always mean just us as officials, but I think just people out there. You know, if you said, well, where's your, where's your kid going to play ball? I'm going to the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Where's your kid going to play ball? I'm going to Northern Iowa Area Community College. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a different cachet that that comes with that. Yeah. Now, it could be that the years your kids at Northern Iowa Area Community College, they win two national championships and I was, you know, last in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. you know, right. but but we don't often think of it that way. And so as as somebody who who works those high levels a lot, you're in big arenas that seat lots of people that have all the ESPN cameras, that kind of thing. I was wondering if maybe you could just talk a little bit to our listeners about, you know, what it's like to work that competition at that smaller college level. Yeah. You know, the competition, that game was really, really competitive. Yeah. I think no one uh, would argue that even the common fan, just watching it, watching the game. It, it was a, it was a heated environment. Um, and it was a very competitive, evenly matched game. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say, you know, if, if we talk about everything in general, like when when the our locker room facilities, right, they're no different than and this Juco at the Juco game, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit smaller, but they're, they're the same. You know, there's water, there's lockers, there's showers. It's clean. Yeah. You know, that's all you're really asking for. You know, sometimes you go to arenas and they're like living rooms, but mm-hmm. for the most part, there that locker room that I had at the at the, the JUCO tournament was just as big and just as nice as the locker room I had at UIC last night. Sure. So it's the same. Yeah. So there's no different there. There's no difference there. So if you you could have took that same game and moved it into a big arena mm-hmm. and say it's a four-year school and you know there would have been more cameras and, and it would have been just as competitive and to draw on everyone would have thought it was that kind of game so i think you know we get lost in the fact that it's as i'm using air quotes only a juco game mm-hmm. but this is this these are 10 competitive people on mm-hmm. the floor at the same time with two very intelligent coaches coaching at the same time which is all you all you can hope for. So um, to say that it's it was just a mm-hmm. is probably a mistake. That's right. I think um, and there's um, you know my game on you know whatever last week in a big arena that seats ten thousand people was a forty point ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it's got no competitiveness to it. You know starts off competitive but then it, then it you know the, the spread happens and that's the way it goes where I'm, now I'm in a uh, an arena where it's you know basically bleachers and you know no jumbo drones no cameras mm-hmm. and it's a two point ball game or a four point ball game so that competitiveness can happen in any gym at any time and I think we're making a big mistake by saying it's only I think um we need to we need to 
embrace those situations when we get a chance to work them, you yeah. know. And, and when you mm-hmm. asked me to do it, working and I was open, I'm like, yeah, I'll work it. You know, it's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and that says a couple of things. You know, there, there are some people that wouldn't, you know, I've, I've reached out <clears throat> to some officials to to work an occasional junior college basketball game that I assign a couple of schools. And, and they're like, well, I, I don't I don't work JUCO anymore. You know, in one of those situations, I even said, hey, I'm specifically trying to find some seasoned officials because we're going to put some new, like brand new college officials. And they're like, hey, you know, really appreciate the offer and all. But, you know, and, and some of them have super legitimate reasons because of work. They don't want to take as many days off. They're just trying to save some wear and tear on their body or whatever it might be. But there is something, you know, significant and unique about being able to work with people that maybe are not yet at your level yet, mm-hmm. you know, in some really competitive I- environments. And and that was, that was a super competitive, like the, the final day of that tournament, the consolation championship game went down to the wire. Mm. The third place game went down to the wire. The championship mm-hmm. game went down to the wire, all three of them. And even the, the consolation consolation game you know it mm-hmm. would have been the seventh place game of the day or whatever was a competitive game i mean it ended up being i think like a 10 or 12 point game at the end of it but it was a very competitive game mm-hmm. all the way to the end of that thing and those kinds of environments are places we want to find ourselves as officials mm-hmm. you know the if if you are a division two official that's basically getting games in november and december mm-hmm. you know pre-conference season whatever. Well, man, I want to find myself on as many of those competitive JUCO games as I can get, because it's going to get me ready for when I'm a conference mm-hmm. season, you know, official at the division two level. If, you know, if you're getting, you know, a handful of games, at the division one level, then you want to be working those conference tournaments at the D three level. And that, cause again, it helps prep us. And again, it's not that one game is better than another, mm-hmm. but, but they are different. You know, and I really, uh, I, I really appreciated that about everybody that that came and worked in that tournament, and even some of the people that came and watched and were there and talking or watched online. And I, uh, I worked with one of the officials from that tournament, um, and then turned around on set. So that tournament was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I turned around on Saturday and worked a really competitive uh, Division Three non-con game on Saturday with that same person. And, you know, that person was like, man, I, I watched the entire championship game. Mm. And that official, she'd even clip two plays mm. from the championship game. She's like, hey, do, do you mind if I show you these? Because, you know, like, I've been wondering about it. One of them was that that funny play where the, the player went down mm-hmm. and was convinced the other player had done it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you think there could have been a foul on this? If it was a foul, probably would have been an offensive foul. What are you thinking? You know, we, we kind of talked through it. And it was just a reminder to me that – just that opportunity to learn and mm-hmm. grow and, and all that. And, you know, we, we have made the comment in the past that, you know, what's, what's the most, most important game you're going to be on? Well, it's the one you're on right now. Yeah. Right. We, mm-hmm. we say that, but a lot of times it's just lip service if mm-hmm. we're honest about it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the most important game I'm on is when I get, you know, my D one baseball weekend, you know, and I got three of them this season and those are, those are my big games. Mm-hmm. Well, they could be absolute blowout games, every single one of them. Hundred percent. You know, mm-hmm. but there, there really is truth to that. I yesterday, uh, we're recording this on a Friday, and uh, yesterday, uh, I had the day off, 
And my son, I've mentioned before in the podcast, is just getting into basketball officiating this year. So yesterday, during the day, um, I worked a private school junior high tournament with my son. I worked a few games with him, and then I worked one game uh, without him because he had to slip out to get something done. And then we turned around in the evening, and we worked a junior high 7th and 8th grade game locally, Mm -hmm. right? So just a day to get to hang out with my son, um, watch him develop, all that kind of thing. And when I say this private junior high tournament, um, we are not talking about high-level basketball. Mm-hmm. I think one of the teams had third graders on the mm-hmm. team. Like they were trying to pull from everybody to make sure. this thing work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but yet the the funny thing about it was like those games were important. Yeah. Not, not just to those players, but to those coaches and to those schools and all that. Those games were important to my son mm-hmm. because he's still trying to figure out what fouls and violations are yeah. and to feel comfortable with certain mechanics and things like that. And then we went and worked this seventh and eighth grade game at one of our local junior highs last night. And I'm still trying to go, man, like I forgot how hard two man was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like man, I do not have a good angle on this play. Like yeah. I feel bad making this call. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we forget how hard it is for people that are working other levels. And at that seventh, eighth grade game, the seventh grade game was super competitive and really great athleticism for, for some seventh grade boys. And then the eighth grade game was was eighth grade night mm. for the home team. There's not a bigger game when you're growing up yeah. than eighth grade night, where mm. everybody gets to walk out there and give the carnation to their mom. Yeah, and, right. You know, hug mom, and then okay, am I hugging dad? Am yeah, I handshaking right, him? What right. am I doing? Am I'm I an at? eighth grader. This is weird. <laughs> you know, all the students are there cheering mm. and screaming and and doing all that kind of thing. And for my son, like that was a nerve wracking game. That's probably the first game that he's worked for a packed gym. Mm. You know, mm, wow. uh, one of our officiating buddies, Tom Haas, yeah. his son, uh, sorry, excuse me, his grandson is an eighth grader mm. on that team. And he's he's sitting there on the first set of bleachers yeah. watching, you know, yeah. and we got about five minutes into the game and Caleb had had a, an iffy uh, out of bounds call right in front of him. By iffy, it's like, who, who was it? You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I asked him, hey, how you doing? I don't know. Tom already yelled at me. (laughs) What do you mean? I went over to inbound the ball for the second, for the second quarter. And I'm just kind of laughing with Tom. He's like, Oh, it's great to see you. Man, it's awesome to see Caleb out here. You know, we got to have more young officials, you know, everything. And and so then I gave him our time. I said, well, he's already scared to death because, because you yelled at him. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Oh, I was, I was just telling my wife, I thought it was off blue. (laughs) (laughs) And he came in at halftime and was encouraging to Caleb and all that kind of thing. But it was just, it was that huge reminder that those games really are important. Mm-hmm. And um, I have I have watched you work Division One games that were not nearly as competitive as that JUCO game for sure that we worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also seen, you know, at, at every level there are great games. They're okay games, mm-hmm. and they're really trash games. Mm-hmm. They really are. But even that trash game is important to somebody, because in what we would consider, well, it's a forty-point blowout. Well, guess what? That twelfth kid that never gets in the game—that's the game that they get to go in and try to score. Mm-hmm. And if all of a sudden we say, "Well, I can take the next five minutes off because it's all subs," mm-hmm. well, we may have just robbed that opportunity. 
for that person to get their only college points they're ever going to score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or we're sitting there going, man, why are they so fired up? Like, don't they understand this is a 40-point blowout? Well, the reason they're fired up is because they finally hit the floor that they've worked so hard to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and I think that's I think that's a really big deal. Well, and I think that happens with the referees too. You know, sure. I can walk into a JUCO game and go, "Why are you guys so worked up about this game?" Mm-hmm. Well, I, this is my first championship game. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yep. You know, whether it's going to be a good game or not, and whether it is just JUCO, this is my first championship game at the college level, so I'm excited about it. Yep. So. We all have that. We all should have it anyway as humans, you know, if we're competitive mm-hmm. people. And um, I, that game did not disappoint. And it was, um, you know, and, and I think I even told you this on the way home. I said, you know, you didn't need Jeff Cross on the game. Sure. You know, anybody could have done that game. Yep. But it was nice to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, for, for me, one of the things that is so fun as an official – is being on both sides of the um, of the equation. There are there are games that I will go work where I'm the, for lack of a better term, I'm the person working down the level. Mm, okay. You know, I'm sure. Um, one of one of our friends, Greg Walter, mm-hmm. uh, had just a, a small little injury that happened from his college basketball game on Wednesday. Okay. And he's like, hey, I need to take a couple of days off before my next college game on Saturday. Okay. So uh, he was off yesterday, but tonight he had a local high school basketball game. And so he called me. He's like, hey, he was giving me a game report from the game because he'd worked it for me. And so he's like, yeah, I got to try. And, you know, Joe just basically says he's got nobody to cover me on Friday. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to make this thing work and all. <clears throat> I said, well, well, I'm off Friday. I don't have a game. I'd be more than happy to go work that for you so that you can get the rest you need before Saturday. Yeah. It's like, really? You'd be willing to do that? Sure. Why not? I've worked two high school games this year. I, yeah. can, I can squeeze in a third. Get a third in, yeah. <clears throat> you know? <laughs> and one of the officials that I'm going to be working with tonight, was getting, it's his very first year working varsity basketball. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I come into that game. You know, and for lack of a better term, I'm the I'm the Jeff Cross working the JUCO game. You know, coming right. in to work the high school boys varsity game, small small school, mm-hmm. high school. You know, uh, Christian basketball, whatever. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and that that stuff's super fun mm-hmm. because you get to you get to help that official, you get to encourage that official, you get to. And then I've been on the flip side where, you know, the Jeff Cross or the Doran Stewart or the Jen Washoe or the whoever they are that's the D one you know official comes in and. You know, and I get to learn from them, mm-hmm. and I get to watch what they do. And it's not always that they're the crew chief on the game. It's yeah. not always that they assert themselves in some big way. It's sometimes it's just watching the small stuff, you know. And okay, well, how did they have this communication? What mm-hmm. they do, and you know, and it makes us better. And so that really, I think, leads us well into a big portion of, of what we're going to talk about today. And I know some of you listening are going, well, you've already been talking for 20 minutes. What do you mean a big portion? <laughs> well, you know us. We shoot for that hour because we know your drives most that's, of the time or at right. least that long. So wait, before you yeah. get started. Sure, go ahead. G- give me some small stuff that you, that you picked up. Did you pick up any small stuff? Well, of course, I watch you work a ton. Yeah. So because of that, I, I didn't pick up as many things. Mm-hmm. From you and that kind of deal, 
But there were some really interesting things that I saw, not necessarily where I go, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes part of what we do is we grab things and put in our toolbox so that we can hand those tools off to other people. Okay. And uh, this happens a, a ton on the baseball side for me. Uh, so if you baseball guys out there getting ready for the NCAA clinics and all that kind of good stuff, um, you know, we're always looking for those little things to pick up and, and, and put in our, in our toolbox. But, um, I am, I am not an introverted person. Okay. I am extrovert to the extreme. There are moments when I get quiet. Mm -hmm. I know that's hard for some people to believe, but there are <laughs> moments, but, but I'm, I'm an extrovert. And so, but yet there are times when my crew may be all introverts, mm -hmm. There are lots of introverts that work college oh, sports, yeah. you know, and I can't necessarily help give them my tools because they're not going to fit, you know, but there are, there are a couple people that we worked with this week at that, at, at that tournament, that week at that tournament that I was there are more introverted kind of people. And so I would watch the ways that they would do things because, um, the way they speak to coaches is different. Mm. The way they have their captain's meeting is different and all. And occasionally you see something that goes, man, that's 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 so different than how I would do it. Mm. But that really works. Mm -hmm. And so you file that away because then when you're working with that official that's of that similar personality type or whatever, and they're struggling and they're asking a question. Well, hey, have you considered doing this? You know, one of, one of the people that was working that tournament Almost all they did during the captain's meeting was ask questions rather than make statements, mm -hmm. which for them was perfect because mm -hmm. now it passed it off to the captains to be the ones talking. Mm -hmm. It made it super engaging for the captains because the yeah. captains never get asked questions that they're expected to answer. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Most of the time what we do at the end of, hey, you got any questions? Nope. All right. Let's go play basketball. <laughs> I was hoping that. Right. You know, <laughs> but but this person was asking questions. And then waiting for the response, which mm -hmm. is the big part, right? Being yeah. silent long enough for them to realize, oh, I actually have to answer oh, his question. Yeah, right. But basically led them through doing the captain's meeting. I'm like, that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. You know, I, I really like it. Probably doesn't work for me in the same way. I might find a place or two to use it. But for somebody else, I could be super helpful. Mm. You know. You know, well, I, I ask, sometimes I ask questions at, mm -hmm. at the captain's meetings. I'll ask, you know, what color headband you guys wearing, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm, and I'm sitting here trying to rewind and see if I, do I actually wait for the answer? Or do I already look at their headband and go, you guys got white on, you know, is everybody wearing white? Make sure everyone wears white, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so, that's what you did that night that we worked together. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't I wait for the answer. You kind of asked it and mm -hmm. answered it. Yeah, asked it and answered it. Mm -hmm. Because you know they're like, wait, that's for me, and then I don't, I don't know the answer. I can see you have white on, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's probably a fault of mine, of at least in those situations, right? Mm -hmm. Asking the question and not really wanting an answer. Yeah. I already know the answer to this question, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, what What you're doing is you're using a question to remind. Hmm. You know, hey, make sure you're all wearing the same. Mm -hmm. Color head, yeah. yeah. You know, is basically what's going on there. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's there's things like that that mm -hmm. that I really enjoy, and um, that's what if if you're a student of officiating, I'm not gonna say a student of the game. Mm -hmm. I would say a student of officiating. Mm -hmm. You know, you begin to 
pick up on some of those little things that people do really well. And you begin to notice that just people do it very differently. Mm-hmm. You know, you look back at some of the just really great officials of the last several years. You know, those people that have always been working the the final four. You know, you work at a look at a Lisa Mattingly mm-hmm. or a Tyna or a Beverly or a whoever, right? You can everybody's got their set of ten or twelve names of mm-hmm. people that are at that level, right? And they didn't all do it the same way. Right, right. They didn't all have the same personality mm-hmm. out there. You know, they just they just didn't. I watched a game last night uh, that Tim Daly was working. And Tim Daly carries himself differently on the court than a lot of other officials. Just, just his presence is mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. It's hugely successful. Mm-hmm. You know, hugely successful. As far as I'm concerned, he's one of the best you know, uh, officials that are out there. Mm-hmm. I really like watching Tim work. I really love watching Brian Innerline work. Mm-hmm. Those two could not be any more different when they're on the court. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. I mean, you talk about yin and yang, what, whatever, whatever term you want to give to it. Yeah. I mean, the, it is unbelievably different, mm-hmm. but phenomenal officials. Mm-hmm. Then you take those two personalities and put them on the same game. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's even better because now it's not the crew all being the same cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're bringing all these different strengths to the crew to make us better. Yeah, yeah. It's I think that's that's true. And you know, there's the thing I want to make sure that it gets across is everyone made it to the final four being the person that they are, mm-hmm. and they didn't get there by getting a perfect score. Yeah. You know, they missed plenty of plays along the way. You know, whether you just want to include the year, you just want to include the tournament, you want to include their 20 years of service, it, 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 they've made plenty of mistakes. Yeah. But the problem, the, the, the great thing that all of those officials have in common is they're able to recover. Um, they're able to communicate. They'll be able to, you know, communicate to coaches. Because I think coaches still do to this day understand Mistakes are going to be made. Sure, they do. You know, um, as much as they don't want them to happen, they understand that that is still part of the game. And um, when they can recover from that, and they can they can uh, communicate through that, that's what gets them another game. It's not their perfect score. So, oh, you know what? What a great example there, Jeff. I I had a game on Saturday. We're getting towards the end of the game. It's a 15, 20 point game. Whatever. Offense is coming down the court. In the backcourt, defense, fouls, and and I'm trying the best at that point in the game. You know, a couple minutes left, trying not to put air in the whistle, you know, bump, bump. We get into the front court. Now the offensive player kind of backs into a person for what very easily could have been an offensive foul. I know called all of it. Wrong decision. Like, mm. there is no doubt. I go back and get graded. I'm... That I should have got the first defensive foul. I should have got the second defensive foul. I should have got the offensive foul. No doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. The coordinator looks at it. They're going, why didn't you call these? And I could give all the answers of, you know, hey, it was this point in the ball game, and it was this many points, and it really wasn't significant contact. It mm-hmm. didn't hurt their rhythm, speed, balance, quickness, whatever. I could have said whatever. I could have made excuses. The truth is, those should have been whistles. 100% should have been whistles. So the coach for the defensive team is losing his mind that I didn't call that offensive foul. Mm-hmm. I'm cross court from. So I waste it. Just a few minutes later, 
I got a foul on the other team. We're going to shoot baskets, you know, free throws at his end. And I'm running over there. And he's like, give me just one second. I'm, I'm coming right to you. The, the whole reason I'm calling this foul is to come talk to you. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. Mm-hmm. And I walked over to him. I said, I know you won that offensive foul. I said, I know. And I said, it was an offensive foul. I said, I'd made the decision to try to not put the foul on your player before that. I couldn't turn around and get the one after it. I said, I said, it probably wasn't the right choice. I said, it was the choice I made in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know? And he turned to me and goes, I respect that. Mm-hmm. And immediately came down. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was as as if there had been no issue whatsoever. Now, I could have tried to lie my way out of that thing. Oh, I didn't to, think that was an offensive foul. Right. Stick to your guns, right? Yeah, yeah. No, just that was the choice I made. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back on it, does it help me learn? Sure. Next time, I'm just going to go ahead and grab that foul. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt anything. Just put air in that whistle. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. But that that humility to say, right or wrong, it was the choice I made. Mm-hmm. You know? And, again, like you were saying, with those officials that we see elevate, that's that's what they do. You know? They don't try to say, I didn't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know? They, they may say, this is the reason I did or didn't like it or lump it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But they don't try to say, they don't try to lie to a coach that knows better. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, they, just, they just don't. And that's really, it's, if you're trying to lie to a coach that knows better or anyone, you know, you're you're not giving the person you're communicating, you're not giving them enough credit. That's right. You know, and they're, they're smart enough to know whether you're lying or not. And. Um, I think we're smart enough to know whether a coach is lying to us or not. Sure we are. So the thing Which is we can, only 98% of the time they're talking. <laughs> the, think, the think that we could get away with trying to lie to a coach is foolish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the only time that we really think we can get away with it is when we're lying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, good. You know, oh, no, that wasn't a travel. Mm-hmm. When in our mind we know it was, but we're trying to convince ourselves it wasn't. Yeah. You know, oh, they didn't, they didn't call that. Uh, they didn't dribble the ball before they called the timeout for advancement. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, they did. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they did. did. Mm-hmm. You know, and, we, we, and now we're trying to convince the other coach of why this team should be allowed to advance. And Well, it's funny because we had a play um, Wednesday, I think it was. Wednesday or Thursday. Well, yeah, Wednesday. Where it, right at the end of the, the period, uh, we had a potential legal screen. And none of us got a really good look at it. All of us kind of saw the remnants of it. None of us really mm-hmm. saw the play. And we got the locker room. And I said, my guess is an illegal screen. We just missed it. You know, that's I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this and go, oh, I saw the whole thing. It's fine, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not. You know, yeah. and I think when we admit those things to ourselves, it really helps us, at least it helps me, to go just blow the whistle. Mm-hmm. You know, because I almost did just on the remnants. Yeah. Just on the remnants. Like, oh, sometimes you just got gut plays. Yeah. And, you know, um, I didn't. And shame on me. And I think all of us thought of it like, oh, yeah, I almost did. And none of us did. And meanwhile, it goes down as a missed call. Well, and, you know, when we're talking about this idea of leadership and legacy, mm-hmm. um, if you are the senior member of the crew, if you're the first one to admit the mistake to mm-hmm. the rest of the crew, right. it gives the rest of the crew freedom to feel like they don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just happens, you know. We're going to talk about something here for just a little bit. And a large part of what we're going to talk about is how we communicate it. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. we could say the exact same things two different ways. And one way makes our crew feel okay and one way doesn't. But, you know, if if I'm on a baseball crew and 
I'm the crew chief, and so I've got the Friday night game. And I come in, and I'm like, guys, you know, I know in the sixth inning, in the top, I know for a fact I was not locked in. That that was a bad half inning. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm going to work at getting better at that, right? You know, and sometimes, oh, no, I thought you were great. Well, no. Hey, I know I know that there was, there was a spot there, whether either I lost focus, I wasn't tracking the pitch well, whatever. I was not locked in. By me being honest and vulnerable enough with that, it automatically takes pressure off my U1 and my U2, U3 in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because now, when they go to the plate on Friday, okay, my crew chief wasn't perfect. I don't have to be perfect. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And now they're probably going to be more perfect than I was mm-hmm. because they don't have that stress mm-hmm. sure. on them. You know, and as a as a basketball official, you know, if, if you really do miss a call in that first period, you know, why not at that period break when y'all get together for a second before you go out? Hey guys, man, sorry, sorry I missed that illegal screen that mm-hmm. happened. I'm gonna make sure I get it next time. Yeah. I was like, oh well. If Jeff Cross can miss an illegal screen, <laughs> yeah. then maybe if I miss that travel, it's not the end of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that it's okay for us to miss calls. I'm saying that we don't then have to allow a missed call to then affect how we move forward. The next 30 minutes. That's right. right. It's mm-hmm. that, you know, mistake recovery strategy that we've mm-hmm. talked about in the past. And yeah. if you haven't heard us talk about that, it's a great episode to go back and listen to the That's MRS, right. mm-hmm. mistake recovery strategy. Mm-hmm. So as we as we talk through this thing, then we we admit that you know we have officials that are looking up to us we have officials that we're helping mentor we're looking to be mentored because we look up to other officials that kind of thing and i had a couple conversations this last week and so i'm going to i'm going to set up the conversation for you jeff and i'm going to turn it to you for your thoughts okay. uh, and then we can go back a little bit back and forth a little bit if you want but a lot of times what we do, if we have a newer official, less experienced official, whatever that term is, on a game, is we look to take things off their plate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I've, I've heard this one over and over. In fact, I've, I've heard it at one of the local junior colleges that I assign. You know, we'll bring in an official that maybe is in their first or second year of working college basketball. And one of the officials will immediately say something like this. Hey, don't worry about the shot clock today. I've got your shot clock. Right? Okay. Um, hey, don't worry about rotations today. We'll adjust to you. You know, if it's somebody that's used to doing high school rotations rather mm-hmm. than college or whatever. You know, don't two person, right? Yeah, whatever. You know, so don't worry about this. I got it. Um, was in a conversation with a college official who said, "Every time somebody tells me that, it kills my confidence." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, well, why?" He said, because it means that those people assume I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So because they assume I can't do it, they assume I'm not really able to do the job because the job is to do all of it. Sure, sure. He said, now, I may not be as good at doing the job as they are, but I, sh- I still should be doing the job. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the analogy there was like, you know, being hired to work on a garbage truck. All right. So one guy's supposed to drive the truck. The other guy's in the back grabbing the, mm-hmm. you know, grabbing the cans and dumping them in. And it'd be like the guy who's driving the garbage truck looking at him and say, well, hey, um, you know, I know you're new and all. So uh, I'm going to pull up to each house and you get the can on the right and I'm going to go get the can on the left. But even though you're supposed to get both of them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that would take us longer. 
Now, now the job's going to be more difficult mm -hmm. rather than just – I may not be as fast mm -hmm. at grabbing the cans as the other guy, mm -hmm. but but I can still do the job, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought about that. And then I mentioned that to a to a brand-new official, brand-new to officiating, period, mm -hmm. right? And I said – he goes, oh, that happens all the time. Like almost every game I work, they're saying like – don't do this. Don't do that. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. And I'm like, well, then how does that make you feel? And he's like, well, it makes me feel like they don't think I can do the job. Mm -hmm. And I, I think most officials don't think of it that way. Most officials that are making those statements, mm -hmm. they think that what they're doing is actually making it easier on the person. Right? So I had a conversation with my son about the same thing, new official and all. He said, hey. Uh, that totally makes sense. He said, I had an official do something really cool one day. He said, that official who, whether my son knows it or not, that official has been working for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. That official looked at my son and said, hey, just so you know, I'm really bad with the possession arrow. Hmm. Can you be in charge of the possession arrow for us tonight? Can you make sure every time we inbound the ball at the quarter, uh, after a hell ball, whatever, can you make sure that possession arrow changes? He goes, Dad, I was locked in on that possession arrow. I have never, mm -hmm. I have never watched a possession arrow so hard in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's brilliant. I know that official. That official does not have a problem with the possession arrow. Right. Does it? But what he was doing is he was giving, he was giving that young official something to take ownership of. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, this is something you can do to help our crew tonight. And I thought, what a what a very different concept there you know one concept is i don't need you to do as much the other concept says i need you to do something extra mm, yeah and i think especially with our younger officials with the the younger generations that mm -hmm. are coming behind us and again i don't care if we're talking sports if we're talking about in schools if we're talking about working at the you know the the local mechanic shop whatever mm -hmm. it is when we give them the opportunity to rise to the occasion, most of the time they will. Yeah, we're we're very quick to we we think we're helping by saying I'll do more than my share, mm -hmm. so it'll be easier for you. When in turn, it can, as we've we've already proven, you know, it can damage the way they think about what their capabilities are. Yeah. When we offer, you know. Maybe, it, it, as we've talked about, you know, maybe it's a presentation. Maybe it is. Um, how do you feel about the shot clock? I feel mm -hmm. okay about it. All right, cool. You know, yep. I, you know, it was always hard for me to learn when I, you know, when I first started. So mm -hmm. I'm glad you're able to, you know, concept. Because for me, the last thing I want to do is tell a referee or a person that I'm working with that is don't worry about situation A. Yeah. Because I'll get situation A. Then when I mess up situation A mm -hmm. and I go to my partner or, you know, my workmate and go, hey, can you help me with situation A? They're going to say, you told me not to worry about situation A. I'm, I haven't I've been focused on that at all. Mm -hmm. So we're we're, uh, we're putting our, our, our crewmates, our, our fellow employees at a disadvantage when we tell them, don't do it. And then now it's all on you and then things are harder for you. And then we, because we're we're humans, right? We're gonna Absolutely. mess up. So, I think um, 
that is the most important part. And and I'm guilty of that. I think mm-hmm. I think I've, I've been in. We've talked about it off the air. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of um, saying, you know, if if you're worried about this certain coach, take it off your plate because they're one of the nicest coaches in the league, mm-hmm. one of the most fair coaches in the league, whatever that scenario is. But that's way different than saying, we know it's your first year of college basketball, so don't even communicate with the coaches. I'll do it all. Yeah, That's way different. It's one thing to reassure them mm-hmm. that we'd still may come up, but it's very unlikely in this game because, you know, whatever. Tables are really good with shot clocks. So we won't have to worry about the shot clock as much. So I think that's what we need to do. You know, And I like to use the analogy, a cheeseburger is a cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. But if you put a cheeseburger on a paper plate, it looks like you're at a picnic. Mm-hmm. Put that same cheeseburger on a nice Fiesta Ware plate, looks like you're at a nice home, nice restaurant. And it's still just a cheeseburger that was 99 cents out of the bag. So um, we can do those things. We have those opportunities. Um, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think back when I was the AD at Grace where, you know, I know there was assignments that I gave to people that may or, that may, or may not um, been able to do them. Mm-hmm. But I believe I, I handled them the same way that uh, this official did where I said, listen, I know I'm not very good at writing mm-hmm. emails. Could you draft an email for me and I'll proofread it and we'll send it out. Yeah. They, they love responsibility. Sure. They, they, and, and just like we've, we've spoken in many other podcasts, you know, helping is, is what people want to do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and I use the, the term where, where the shot clock gets reset and you know what time of possession is and you can go tell your partner the shot clock should be at 22 you feel like a superhero because you were able to help in that situation. The same thing happens. Just a simple ask of, "Hey, could you draft this email for me? I'll proofread it, and then we'll, you know, kind of get get it out from there." And that person who drafts that email, it's a very simple task for them, mm-hmm. but they feel like a superhero because they feel like they're part of something that that we needed to do as a group. Yeah. Well, and here's here's another piece of that because you know. When I was starting out, you know, you really preached to me, get time possession, get time possession, get time possession. So if we have a shot clock issue or whatever, a clock doesn't start, whatever, we we know where we need to be, right? Mm-hmm. And you use that same thing, you know, that now all of a sudden when it's time to fix it, you feel like, here I come to save the day. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I mean, mm-hmm. awesome stuff, right? But let's say you're a new official and you're ready to come save the day. Mm-hmm. And the experienced official just turns to the table and says, put it at 22. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> now you don't feel like you had the opportunity to save the day. Mm-hmm. Does it maybe make the game go just one half tick quicker or whatever? Yeah. Sure. But man, again, as that experienced official, how hard would it be? Hey, Chad, what what do you have shot clock at? Yeah. Oh, I, it should be at 22. Right. Now, let's say in your mind, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it should be at 21. Yeah. Guess what? 22 is close enough. Good enough, right. <laughs> Put that thing at 22. Yeah. Now you've empowered that person to feel like they saved the day. Mm-hmm. Even though the day did not need to be saved because you had it. Mm-hmm. Give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Give them the opportunity to, to, to show up and to do what they need to do. Um, on the baseball side, we see that kind of thing happen all the time. You know, uh, a, a newer official will be having a conversation with a coach and 
that one of the partners is just so quick to get up there and insert themselves in the conversation because, you know, they've got history with that coach. They got whatever they can, you know, they can help do that. Well, why not just step back a little bit and give them the opportunity to do it? Mm-hmm. Be, be there if they need you, mm-hmm. but, but say, you know, I trust you to do this. Now, yeah. not 90 feet away, standing behind home plate, you know, scribbling in your, in your lineup card, mm-hmm. but but being present if they need it, but allowing them to do their work. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to give them a whole lot more confidence than you just immediately coming in and taking over. Right. It Made that diffuse it quicker? Sure. But in the long run, it's not going to give them the confidence they need to then be the day some the, the person someday that's the crew chief standing behind home plate ready to go help somebody else. Well, and it goes uh, to the fact that, you know, the experienced official can probably step in and tell Coach A this, this, and this, and Coach A is going to go, oh, yeah, okay, thanks. Yep. I've had you for the last 30 years. I believe you, even though mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's right. Yep. But you got your one official trying to say the same thing, and they don't believe it. So you're trying to, as a, as a leader, you're trying to, okay, let's put this task behind us and yep. move forward when, you know, the, the greater good is we got to let this younger official manage through that, learn what, what words work, what words don't. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. I remember this. I don't know if you remember it, uh, and I, but it was, you know, the summer baseball prospect league we worked and we were yep. working together and I had some sort of conversation with the coach. I have no idea what it was about. I'm not even for sure. Um, but I remember you being within earshot, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And you know, it, you didn't say anything. You didn't have to say anything. It all went, you know, just fine. But you were there, right? And mm-hmm. and sometimes as a newer, younger, inexperienced official, we don't have a problem walking across the tightrope. Mm-hmm. We do have a problem if there is no safety net. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great you know, concept. Yeah. And so we're okay with challenging ourselves to get across this rope. But we it's got to know, you know, even though you haven't verbally said, Jeff, no matter what you say, I'm going to be right here to catch you. You haven't said that, mm-hmm. but you've given off the body language. You've given off the demeanor. You've talked to during the pregame about those scenarios, and you, you've given off that that vibe, as, mm-hmm. as the kids say, right? You're vibing, and like, you're going to be my safety net if I needed, and that works out well. Mm-hmm. And it gives us a chance to maybe we only go halfway across and come back. Okay, here, you take care of this one. I tried. <laughs> I'm yep. still a little nervous. So, sure. Um, we we – we're able to take those leaps knowing our safety net is around. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. And the funny thing then is it even comes a time where roles reverse. And here's what I mean by that. Um, that's probably the first junior college game you worked in a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? So let's say three years from now, Okay. You come back on an off night, whatever, and you work a junior college game at just Joe Schmo Junior College, mm-hmm. right? This is not a, a high-level game anywhere. You happen to be off one night. You're working on something new. Hey, I, I want to go work this, you know. And so you walk into that, that gym, and there's a fourth-year official working and a third-year official working. But they've spent all those years – working for those two coaches, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now you walk in, you are a crew chief in a power five conference. Mm-hmm. You walk in, you're the unknown. Oh yeah. 
In fact, it could be that those coaches are going to question you more than they would question the other two. Mm-hmm. Just because they know the other two. Yeah. They know what the other two are going to call. They know how the other two are going to communicate. They mm-hmm. know all of that. You know? And it, it puts you on the, you know, I'm, I'm going to go work this game tonight. I've not been to this high school in probably six years. Right. I know for a fact they have a new coach. I know for a fact the other team that's coming in has a new, none of them have seen me. Mm-hmm. They are not going to have a clue who I am, what I'm doing. I am probably setting myself up for a fun night tonight. Could be, right. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I may be the most experienced. I may be the I may have advanced more, whatever, but on that game, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get challenged. Yeah, and it could be that I need one of those other two that they are comfortable with to be the one providing the safety net for me, mm-hmm. even though I may be the more experienced official. Yeah, you know, and and understanding how that dynamic works, you know, is it and it happens even more on the baseball side because on the baseball side we're not as visible. You know, on the basketball side, you're on national TV a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it may not be, you know, the ESPN game of the week, right. you know, or the Big mm-hmm. Ten game of the week, but it, you know, you're going to be on ESPN U, you're going to be on ESPN three, you're going to be whatever. So coaches that are watching a lot of basketball mm-hmm. at lower levels, you know, watching D one basketball, they they will see and recognize you, yeah, as at least one of the myriad of middle-aged bald white guys that work college basketball, right? There's going to be fewer of us. (laughs) That's right. right. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but on the baseball side, one, we're, we're covered in gear differently. Mm -hmm. So they don't recognize us as much, you know, and all. And I, I had the opportunity to work a game uh, a couple years ago, a a D three game with a guy who works a full division one schedule. Right. And this guy's a former pro Baseball umpire, all that kind of stuff. And this these coaches just acted like this guy did not have a clue. Mm-hmm. The only reason they acted that way is because they'd never seen him. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah, He's a, one of the most phenomenal umpires I've ever worked with in my entire life. But in their mind, we've never seen him. He must not be good. He right. must be new. And this this umpire never once big timed him. Yeah. Never said, "Well, you do realize I worked the NAC tournament. I mean, the the MAC tournament last year. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did do this. I did do that. Never once. Just just went about doing their work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's just interesting how that dynamic takes place. Well, you know, I'll go back to the phrase that I heard many many years ago. Uh, you may not be a big dog in this room, but you're a big dog in another room. Mm. And that, I think that comes true in, in many situations. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I may not be a big dog when I walk on the big 10 floor, mm-hmm. but you know, I am a big dog when I walk on the horizon league floor and sure. those things happen for all of us. And just because we go down doesn't necessarily mean we're the big dog in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, we could potentially, you know, we're just a visiting dog. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're here for the daycare and, you know, <laughs> you know those things like a play with others. So that that we have that opportunity to understand what those what that feels like. Because imagine where our growth would be if we didn't go experience those mm-hmm. things. We would be, our, our growth would be stunted, I believe. And, you know, well. You know that that person who always is the person in charge of building the two by fours in the in the wall always just two by fours, and all of a sudden, 
hey, I need you to do two by sixes. And I'm like, wait a second. I always do two by fours. Even though you've got 20 years of experience of hammer and nails, it's probably still hammer and nails, but it's a different setup. Yeah. You know, the trusts are different than the, than the, than the wall supports. So I know those contractors out there listening, like, what's Cross talking about? But that that's what that's what happens in our day-to-day lives. If I'm the guy that always works on the Volkswagens in the car mm-hmm. or in the, in the shop, and now a Chevy comes in, even though I could probably still work on the Chevy, I'm that experience doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be perfect at the Chevy. Yeah, and you know I'm I'm a huge history buff, and if you look back at American history, um, anytime we've been involved in a in a major military conflict, specifically think like Civil War, World War One, World War Two. If you look at the periods immediately following those conflicts, the way buildings were built changed. Hmm. So here's what I mean by that. There are places in the north that didn't used to have uh, homes with big columns in front Mm -hmm. on them, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But after they had been in conflict and seen some of these big homes in Georgia or South Carolina or wherever they happen to be as they were going through it all, they're like, ooh, that'd be kind of neat at my house mm-hmm. back home. Because back then, you didn't travel away from home. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. You you stayed in your small area. Yeah. You know, when they came back from World War One, there was French influence. You know, there was always that in like mainstream architecture because those people that study that, they've been exposed to that. But as far as like, you know, in your local town, mm-hmm. you know, of 5,000 people, you didn't see stuff like that. Back then, you know, everybody built their house the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you're using the same timber from the same lumber yard and the, whatever, you know, the same paint from the general store. <laughs> right. All of a sudden things began to change because people's, ideas had had been broadened from Mm -hmm. seeing new things and being exposed to new things. Mm -hmm. And so when we go work those different places, when we're the visiting dog, Mm -hmm. you know, it may not be that it, it changes everything that we do, but it does give us a new experience. Mm -hmm. It does give, I mean, you, you had some coach interaction in that, uh, in that game that we had uh, together on that tournament that, I don't know that I've seen you have to experience this year at the D1 level. Yeah, probably not, right. Mm-hmm. You know? And talk about great prep for high-pressure moments that you're going to have later in the season. Mm-hmm. Not that you couldn't handle that. Right. But, but it's, it's it's not the type of communication you are used to experiencing at mm-hmm. the level you work. Right. Now it's one more tool to put in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. One have. more rep, one more yeah. rep of, of uh, that situation. Yeah, yeah, and so it, it you know, it, when we experience that, if if we're used to working with all the coaches in the conferences we work, we may not be stretched because we know how to answer it. We know what they're looking for, mm-hmm. right? But now we get to a postseason tournament, we're gonna have new coaches. Mm-hmm. So let's get some reps with some mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, you know the uh, the the thing I I'm gonna bring this up to you. And I think I'm pretty sure that me, you, and Alan went through this. Uh, I don't know if it's at the Colt League World Series where we went through this, but you know, when you travel, you see different things, right? Yeah. And, and I often, a lot of cities are just set up different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to downtown Kankakee, it's, you know, pretty much all northwest, east, west, or north, south, east, west streets. Yep. Only a couple one ways for the most part. 
it's all two-way streets. You go to a town like West Lafayette, it's full of one-way streets. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, yep. and then you go to a town where I think it, where we were in Marion, mm-hmm. it had the roundabouts. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, I'm a big roundabout fan, and and when I come back here, you know, I've seen roundabouts across the country, right? But when I come back here and I talk to people like my wife or other friends, I'm like, hey, you know, we need a roundabout. I believe we need a roundabout over by Olivet. Oh yeah. You know, instead of that three-way stop, mm-hmm. and I said we need a roundabout here, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's so crazy!" I'm like, "You haven't experienced enough roundabouts." And but I, I remember the joke, didn't we? Like, "Oh, here comes Jeff's favorite, you know, thing," because I drive <laughs> through the roundabout, you know, and like, "Whoa, two wheels," you know. But I I think there's there's opportunity for us to learn and see that there's some really great things out there, mm-hmm. whether it be a roundabout in another city. Or whether it be a communication skill that I can use in a JUCO game, that I practice in a JUCO game, and to see, okay, that works, that I can take to a Division One game. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Well, everybody, I hope that this has been, uh, if not well, totally helpful. Oh, wait, ahead, we need to say this. And I, I know okay. we talked about it. I know sure. you wrap up. But I, I, really, I really would love for all the listeners, I, I want to try and get, I, I know it's hard to email us. But if you could email us at uncommon drive podcast at gmail.com and just sit one word in the subject line, unofficial, I'm a construction worker. I, I want, I would really like to know what, what our demographics are. Ah, Cause okay. you know, I had, I had dinner the other night and, and, and saw a friend of mm-hmm. mine and didn't realize that he listens to the podcast all the time. Oscar, if you're listening, buddy, I'm talking to you. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't realize that. And I think, I think it's very cool that he listens to it. And and this guy's not an official, you know. And he said, he said, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of wisdom coming out of there. So I th- it was very nice of him to say that. But so that it made me think. I, w- I would really like to know who we're talking to. Sometimes it would be nice to know that. And we try to speak to everyone. And I know we're trying to go through the lens of officiating and how we see things, but it would be really nice if we could just get a simple email. You don't have to write a big paragraph or even a sentence. You could just email it to Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. And just put in the subject line, sports official, mechanic, president of a school, whatever. That way we can just kind of get an idea, and I think it would be some cool information to have. That's awesome. Well, everybody, have a phenomenal week. Uh, I hope that you pursue being uncommon mm-hmm. in everything that you do so that uh, you can live the life that will be most beneficial uh, so that you can lead others to do the same, that your legacy will be something that will impact generations to come. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 